What's up, everybody? Holiday week. You can't see. You know what? Give me one second here, Bags, just because I, I gotta, I gotta I just. Mean, show we just the, started the show. Show the people here. Look it's Thanksgiving week, but we're ready for Christmas, man. Did yeah. the decorating early in the week because I mean I know it's kind of the trend this year is to just get the Christmas decorations up and try to feel good about something in 2020. There's the tree. Love it. We're ready. Love it. Good. Now on that note. Elisa gave me an early Christmas present. Oh. And I said, why do you give me an early present? She said, well, because you kind of need to enjoy this during the holiday season. And she gave so me. So it isn't something for the show. Well, it is something. Look at this Whoa. ornament. Oh. I got two of them. I got one for you, buddy. Look at that ornament, huh? How about that? Yes. So, yeah, that, that's up on the tree now. Well, I just took it off, but that'll be up on the tree for the holiday season, and I got one for you. Wow. Yeah. Elisa, way to go. Coming through. I love it. Yeah, man, we're ready. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big Christmas guy over pretty much any other holiday, so I'm already fast-forwarded to that. Yeah, and if there was any year where you could get away with just starting it a little bit early. We put yeah. it up the tree up this past weekend. It just feels like 2020, man. I, I'm okay with it. Normally I, I say, you know what, you gotta wait till Black Friday. Then I then I'll go I'll I used to when I was younger, I said it's gotta be December one. Now I'm like, okay, we get past Thanksgiving, it's it's Christmas time. But I'm already listening to the music. We got the tree up. I'm in. I'm all in because 2020, we need it. We need some Christmas. You know the debate rages on uh, artificial or, or real tree. So here's what we're doing. We got, we've got we got this artificial one that we've had for a couple of years. Great tree. Um, we're going to get a real one for downstairs. We're doing both. Yeah. 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 Okay. A lot of people go two trees, which mm -hmm. it's just too much for, well, Space aside, uh, artificial all my life. There's just zero maintenance. You don't have to throw the thing out at the end of that. I'm, I'm, I know I'm lazy about it, but ho, ho, ho. You're very artificial. artificial. Your personality, really. Correct. You yeah. know, exactly. Yep, fits the show. Uh, Bags, a lot to get to here, though, this week. Uh, even though it is a holiday week and it's a short work week for many, not us, um, we've got games on Thanksgiving, of course, but... The, the, the game I'm keying in on here is we've gotten to week 12 of the NFL season, three quarters of the way through, just about, and yet it feels like maybe our first game in a primetime slot is in real question. I don't know how the NFL plans to do this, but they said, hey, Baltimore, you might just have to fly to Pittsburgh the day of the game. They are clearly hell-bent on playing this game Thanksgiving night, and I get it because it's such a key primetime game on a holiday. And it also, here's the other wrench with be it a Monday or a Thursday night game. It's the only one scheduled there, right? So you can't just fill it with something else. If it were the Sunday night game, you slide a team that's already playing to play Sunday back into the primetime slot. Sure. But what are you going to do? Tell the Dolphins and the Jets on Tuesday, hey guys, we need you, we need you a few days early. Can it be ready to play Thursday night? No. So the NFL doesn't want to lose the viewership in this primetime slot of what is a great rivalry game between the Steelers and the Ravens. There's just no other way to fill it. So you know they're going to do everything possible, even if it is, in some people's opinions, risking player safety and health to get this game done Thursday night. Yeah. Well, first of all, um, 
NBC would rather uh, air the parade again before they run the Dolphins and the Jets. So that wasn't the best example for you to pick. Uh, but no, this is, man, look, if it's like they've got to play this game. It, it's it's Thanksgiving. Like you said, it's prime time. It's it's this big division game. It's the best game of Thanksgiving. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's like you need it to be played. So I understand the push for it. Um, I, I'm actually okay with this. I'm okay with with the push to get these guys to play. These guys are so isolated. Even if even if there's hate to say this, but even if there's a, a, a problem within one team that then goes to another team, okay, these guys are going to be okay. I mean, who, who in the NFL has gotten really sick from this? No, and, not that we've heard, but. And, and the big issue is it's the big issue is it, it's about for everyone else. It's about spreading it to people who are vulnerable. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that these guys getting sick, does that because of how isolated they are and you know they're in their own circle right now their own community within the NFL um I mean guys still have to do the right thing they still have to be responsible you can't you can't go home and see grandma um but not that I'm okay with the NFL guys putting other NFL guys um well I guess I am okay with it yeah. with them putting them at risk because to, they're going to play this game. They're going to play this game, and and nobody is going to nobody is going to have an adverse health effect from this. Would be my guess. Okay, we'll see. I mean, look, baseball pushed through, but they did postpone games and entire series. We've already seen the NFL this year postpone games. Right? We had the the bill with we had the Monday doubleheader. What four thirty and eight fifteen? We had a Tuesday night game. In Tennessee, also involving the Bills. So it wouldn't be unheard of. It's not like the NFL has been steadfast. We are not postponing anything. We're playing the game the day and time it is set to be played at the beginning of the year. Like they've they've been flexible in other instances. I'm just saying, because it's Thanksgiving, I just don't think the NFL wants to lose this slot. And We've said it a thousand times on the show. Everything starts and ends with money. We get that. It's a revenue generator. You don't want to have to push a Thanksgiving night game, especially one of this caliber, to a different day. And that, in my opinion, is why the NFL will continue through with this. Not because it isn't maybe a big deal that one team infects another team. Think about well, I, think about the domino effect from their bags. If I Pittsburgh then has an yeah. issue and they're in the middle of an undefeated season, then they can't play on schedule then even next week. But I think it's you're right. I think it's less of a risk now though than in March or April. Right. Okay. I think we've learned more about the virus. Obviously, um, more about treating it to where we've seen the deaths not be as high, the death rate not be as high as when it started. And you're talking about young, super healthy athletes here. I think there's, I just think there's less of a risk. So you have to weigh the risk, just like you always have had to throughout this entire thing. I just think we have to start looking at weighing it a little bit differently as we move 
this deep into it and understand it a little bit better. Baltimore's dealing with nine positive tests ahead of the Thursday night game. Four players, five staff members. Uh, here's a buddy of ours in quarantine himself. This is Shaker Girls Soccer head coach Mike Brem. He's in quarantine. You heard the story over the weekend, which is which was one of the great stories to come out of 22 Athletics locally bags was that Shen and Shaker shared the Suburban Council title. Shaker had to forfeit. Shen, a big rival of theirs, said, no, we are not going to accept a title on forfeit. Let's split this thing. It, it's not fair to you guys that you don't get to play in this game. And so on Saturday, that's that's what ended up happening there. And so Shaker had some coronavirus concerns. You had school protocol that didn't allow them to play the game. And so they split the uh, the title there. And so Coach Brem is sitting in quarantine watching us here this morning. That's the beauty, maybe, of quarantine. You have an opportunity to watch us. Oh, boy. If that's the beauty. Oh, man. That's a long 14 days. Here are the games on Thursday. Texans-Lions yep. not going to fire up anybody, right? No. You said Ravens-Steelers is the best game of the day. I disagree. That Steeler, that that division already belongs to Pittsburgh. Now, Baltimore, in a way, at 6-4, and four is, is fighting for its playoff life. Right. But Washington and Dallas is the game of the day for me. Oh, because this is the game that really has great meaning behind it. Two, three, and seven teams and two teams that can still win the NFC East. You just said this is your game of the day. And then the next sentence you said two, three, and seven teams. Correct. I get it. I get the significance. I get the importance. And it's a big one for Giants fans, right? Yeah, Giants sure. fans locally are going to be locked into that game. But no, you, you, you just said it. The Ravens have a lot to play for, and so does Pittsburgh, of course. I mean, this is something where they're going to be looking to lock up the overall best record in the conference and, and home advantage and and a bye. Remember, you got to be number one to get yep. the bye. So there's still plenty of season left, and they've got plenty to play for. And no, no, come on, Chris. Ravens-Steelers is the game of the day. It kind of stinks, too, because – you want the game of the day to be the Lions or the Cowboys when it's Thanksgiving, right? Because those are the two teams who play there every single year. Um, I always root for the Lions on Thanksgiving, you know, unless they're playing the Jets. Um, I enjoy watching the Lions, especially since they're always that early game. It's like, you know, you're just getting up and the parade is ended and it's like, now it's, it's starting to be Thanksgiving here. Um, so that's, that's a nice tradition for me, but yes, football wise, that last game, that is it on Thanksgiving, man. The Lions have been brutal on Thanksgiving. You enjoy watching them on Thanksgiving? I enjoy rooting for them on Thanksgiving. Okay. Yeah, right. because it's that's, to me, the tradition. That's the game I probably end up watching the most because, you know, that, that 4 o'clock hour and that, that nighttime game. Kendrick, You're in the middle of the meal. Catch the second half of the night game, you know, after stuff with family. Of course, this year is going to be all different. Be able to sit there and watch all these games in their entirety, uh, locked down at home. But yeah, so for me, that's that's kind of the tradition is the Lions game, you know. Interesting boy. I mean, Washington Dallas has great history in that rivalry as well as you know a division matchup with Houston. At least I think you get the excitement of somebody like Deshaun Watson on a national stage for a lot of people on the holiday. Uh, yeah. You talked about the implications for the Giants. Here are the other two NFC East matchups of note. Giants-Bengals. And I'll tell you what, man, you this was your bank on it, what, two, three weeks ago that the Giants were going to win this division. 
They haven't lost since you said that. They're coming off the bye, and they get a big break with the fact that Joe Burrow is out for the season. Not that any of us want to see that because, man, that guy was assaulting the rookie record passing, yeah. rookie passing records. But he's done with a torn ACL, torn MCL. There's structural damage in that left knee as well. It's awful for the number one overall pick. But the Giants do catch a big break here going to Cincinnati and not having to worry about Joe Burrow. Yeah, and that was it was kind of a twofold bank on it. I said they're gonna win the division, but in order for that to happen, they have to win three games in a row from that point. They've done it with the first two, got the big one against the Eagles, right? And now, yes, this Bengals game, you're right. I predicted them to win it with a healthy burrow there. Now it's a it's a must win. I mean, you gotta go out and take care of business without him in there. Um, but you you feel for Burrow. That was hard, that was a hard injury to watch. And it it's sad. It's that's the only word for it. you. You always want to see teams competing at their highest level with everybody healthy as a fan yeah. of the game, even if it it's something that winds up benefiting your team. Like Clay Thompson is not going to play. That benefits a lot of teams in the Western Conference because it basically takes the Warriors out of it. But you don't want that, right? Like you want everybody. You want to be the best with everybody at their best. Otherwise, it kind of feels like you're not really the best because you didn't know there are unanswered questions. So as a fan, I always want to see everybody healthy. Um, but you're right for Burrow because that's the kind of injury where you watch that and you think, boy, you wonder what he's going to be like when he comes back. Like that's yeah. how bad of an injury that was, and and that's what's most disappointing about it. If it's something where you felt like well he's going to lose this season, but he'll be okay when he comes back, you just don't know with that kind of injury. I mean, that's yeah, something I, that I be. said it Monday after you saw the injury. I said, you know what? If I'm Cincinnati and, and our guy Nick is a big Bengals fan, he's saying, tell me he comes back strong. Uh, yeah, we all hope he does. My thought on Burrow, even for next year, the offensive line stinks. And shame on Cincinnati, right? But my thought on Burrow is, if he, if if you said to me today, right, because of the severity of the injury, don't expect Burrow back until mid-season next year. I would say to you, I don't want to see him until 2022. Don't want to see him. Redshirt him. How many times? You know, look, could Durant have played in the bubble for Brooklyn? Yeah, yeah. Maybe he but, should. But have. why? But why do it? You're you're the well, you're, you're in a, a position where you're not going to win that first-round series. Why risk him getting injured? Yeah, I said it. You're not going to win that first-round series. Irving wasn't going to play. You're going to ask Durant to do way too much, and you're going to risk him being injured. So if you say to me, hey, you're not getting Burrow until October or November of next year, I would say I don't want to see him at all. You want to know why? Because that mm -hmm. Cincinnati team without Burrow bags, get me to November, is probably, you know, one in seven. Two yeah. and six. Why? Why bring him back? Well, Let me see him next year. Yeah, it's a little different with football. I'm, I'm more inclined to agree with you in football, as Michael is here, um, because you're really risking some serious injury. Now, Durant was a little different because, number one, you're already in the playoffs. I would have liked to have seen him come back just to get some time with this team, play a little bit with his teammates so that when you come back this season, you've got, and there's something to be said for that too on the NFL side. Um, but yeah, you're already in the playoffs and the Nets maybe would have had a chance to win that series. If you insert the number two player in the league in that lineup. So I'm not so sure about that, but yeah, I agree. It's a little different with football because you, you, and basketball, you can go get out there and get hurt again, too, of course. But football, you're really putting yourself at risk, especially if they don't have an offensive line 
next year and he's going out there and he's going to be a target. Um, and guys know in football too, that's another difference compared to basketball. They'll target that leg. Yep. On him. So yes, you do have to be careful about it. You do have to be smart about your investment. The only thing I would say is you're looking at so much time away from the game. If he has a chance to come back and you can get him some reps just to get him moving again and get him, you know, up to speed with the speed of an NFL game, it could help him for that following season. You know, those handful of games you could get him next year. But I understand your point. Giants are three and seven as well. Uh, Philly there against Seattle. That's the Monday nighter. Um, Three, six and one. So the playing for the tie has at least for the moment kept them in first place. The the schedule the rest of the way for Philly and includes this game against Seattle is brutal. If you if you if we just go based on the schedule and I know that's what you did with your Giants pick, there's no way the Eagles can win this division. There's just absolutely no way they win this division and it starts Monday night against Seattle. I would assume they go 3-7 and 1. And obviously, between Washington and Dallas, somebody's going to get their fourth victory. And I think the Giants get their fourth as well. All of a sudden, I think you've got two teams tied at the top of that division after this week at four and seven. Almost starting to seem like maybe Dallas is the team to beat here somehow. I don't know. Um, But the Mm. Giants have as good a chance, of course, as anybody because they're all so bad. You can't sit here today and say, it would really shock me if X won this division. Now, maybe for you that is Philadelphia because of their schedule. But with how bad everybody is, it's almost like this isn't about winning a division. It's about just not losing it or not finishing it with the absolute worst record as you know the other three teams in the division. So nothing would surprise me, but I'm sticking with my pick with the Giants. I like where this is going with them. Of all those teams – they're playing the best right now. We'll see. We'll see what happens this week. But to me, they're playing the best, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with my pick here. And coming off a bye too. Uh, two more games on the NFL schedule that that caught my attention anyway, and it's Titans Colts. Think back to a couple of weeks ago that Thursday nighter where Indianapolis just ripped off a bunch of points unanswered against this good Tennessee Titans team, and they won at Nashville. Now they get Tennessee at home this week, a couple of 7-3 and three teams, and the division lead on the line here after Tennessee won in overtime last week, mm-hmm. and the Colts won in overtime last week as well. That, that to me, is the game of the weekend. Uh, Chiefs-Bucks is a big one, too, only because let's find – do we – do we maybe find out what Tampa Bay is here? Over the last month or so, go back to the Monday nighter, right, where Brady and the Bucks struggled against the Giants. Then they've had flashes. They hung 45 against Carolina, I think. But then they take another step back. So, so what is this team? Is it a roller coaster ride? Will they find some consistency somewhere? And can they hang with Kansas City at all? Yeah, I agree that Titans Colts, that's, that's probably the best the game of the week, but I'm more looking forward to the chiefs bucks game because it's got a little bit more of that star power behind us behind it. Um, Yeah. You wonder now about Tampa and it's like, you don't know. You you look at them and you think, okay, would you be shocked if they won the super bowl? Because they got Tom Brady and it, it just, 
it's it's just Tom Brady, right? Like this is if you, you could go into any playoff game and and feel confident with him as your quarterback, or or have him on a stretch run in a season and think we've got as good a shot as anybody. But then you watch this team other times, and, you know, and, and he'll look like Tom Brady. Yeah. But then you watch this team other times, and it's like, well, it's not the Patriots and Tom Brady, and this is only year one with this experiment here. I don't know, and. As far as the Chiefs go, man, that was an incredible final drive that we saw uh, against the Raiders. This team, if there was ever a question about whether they were still as good as last year or or shouldn't be the favorites to get back to the Super Bowl, I think they answered all those questions in that last game. They are so high-powered, and... We talked about, we compared them to the old Golden State teams last year when we were watching them make their playoff yep. runs about how it's like they can just flip a switch and like Golden State could all of a sudden put up 20 points in like three minutes and a, a five point or, you know, seven point deficit is now a double digit lead. And this Chiefs team is the football equivalent. They can flip a switch and all of a sudden what happens? And, yep. and we saw it at the end of that Raiders game. They, to me, have cemented themselves as the favorite moving forward. I know Pittsburgh is undefeated, but give me the Chiefs even winning on the road right now at Pittsburgh in a playoff game. Yeah, I, and and do you think, let's say Pittsburgh finishes the regular season undefeated, do you think if you get an AFC championship game between Pittsburgh and Kansas City in Pittsburgh, Steelers haven't lost a game yet, do you think the Chiefs are the favorite in Vegas? No. Hmm. Not if not if they're undefeated. Okay. If they run the table, I don't think Vegas could have them um, as the dog in that game. But it'll be close. I mean, it could be damn near a coin flip. And dark guy Jeff Casey agrees with you here, man. Kansas City's just dangerous, dangerous, yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, like you just said, they flip the switch, unbeatable. Unbeatable. And it feels that way. And honestly, that Sunday night game against Las Vegas was so good, but you just felt like whatever was left on the clock, a minute 43, I think, when you give the ball back to me, they're they're just going to find a way. And Mahomes is great. But what I hate is when it kind of gets lost in the national narrative, his weapons. When you get, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is great. Don't get me wrong. But there are other quarterbacks in this league bags who could be almost as effective if you gave them the speed of Tyreek Hill, the ability of a, a, a running back like Clyde Edwards-Elair, and maybe the best tight end in the game, and that's Travis Kelsey. I mean, sure. there are other quarterbacks who could certainly make plenty of noise the same way Patrick Mahomes does, but you knew that final drive, Mahomes is going to find a way to get this thing done. Yeah, I, it, I guess, but you'd just seen it at a car. It's like, Okay, that that could have easily been the game-winning drive, and it wasn't. And it should have been. And and I don't I ever subscribe to. I hate when people say, you know, I don't know. I would run more clock and then score. Well, it's not like scoring is just voluntary. Right. You know, give right. me the points, and then I'll worry about whether or not my defense can stop the other side. And I'm not saying it's going to work every time. Clearly, it doesn't. But give me the lead, okay? And then I'll worry about the defensive side of things. I don't want to say, hey, you know what? First down, don't worry about it. Second down, don't worry about it. We'll get in on either third or fourth. It doesn't work that way. Well, I agree. Get in the the end zone. 
And then we'll yeah. try to keep them out of it. Yeah, you're playing with fire if you start to have that be part of your strategy. But on the other hand, are you playing with fire if you don't when you're playing a team <laughs> yes. like Kansas City? I mean, I it's almost it. like you have to consider it when you look at – it's like if I'm going to leave any time on the clock for Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, or Patrick Mahomes, I'm starting to wonder if maybe I shouldn't have handled things differently on the offensive end. I hear you. I hear you. All right, that's week 12 in the NFL. Hey, college basketball tips off tonight. Wow. A lot of issues in the hoop side of the college world. College football playoff rankings were released last night. Okay, we got our first look at the top four teams and then five and six. We can argue about maybe where those teams are, should be, and can they get in at one point. One of those teams was my bank on it that you would see them in the college football playoff. How do Bags and I feel about one through four currently in college football? And who's winning the NBA offseason? Boy, the Hawks have been active around Trey Young and Kevin Herter and that young core in Atlanta. Are the Lakers, hands down, the best team now and the team to beat in 2021? That's next here on Honorado and Bagnardi. Depressed, overworked, job sucks, underappreciated. When life sucks, just say Dillagaff. Our clothing line puts the FU back into fun. Nothing will give you greater satisfaction. Dillagaff isn't just an attitude, it's a lifestyle. Some people ride the crazy train, we drive that mother. Check out our selection at DillaGaffUSA.com. Back on Honorado and Bagnardi, Chris Honorado, Sean Bagnardi. Uh, college basketball tips off tonight, Bags. Uh, our guy Brem, he's with Patino here. I don't blame him. Move the season back, right? Try to just get through December and maybe even January with everybody healthy and, and play May Madness. Forget March Madness at this point. Patino back in college basketball, man. It's going to be interesting with him in the MAC, certainly. Uh, with Iono, they come to play Siena. There, I would imagine no fans, which will really bum a lot of people out in the Capital Region. They won't be able to see Patino on the sidelines, uh, but we we should have some of those games for you on on my four. Um, bunch of top twenty five teams in action tonight. There are no actual top twenty five versus top twenty five today, but we'll get into that certainly with uh, Thursday and Friday hoops action. So, with a bunch of teams around the country. On pause. We're not saying in quarantine, but programs on pause, and Siena and UAlbany are two of them. College basketball season feels like more of a long shot for me than college football season ever did. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. And it's a weird one. It's it's really weird. I almost agree too with pushing it back to you want to get you want to try to get all the games in and you want to try to have whatever you do, you want to feel like you have a legitimate tournament. 
right? Come tournament yeah. time that all the teams that would have the chance to be there have had their chance to be there. And what we're getting is really the best of the best. And if they can do that, if at the end of the day, we can look at the tournament, fill out our brackets and say, okay, yeah, this is, this is legit. I'd even be okay with if it was 32 and it was the best 32 teams, right? Um, then you can look at it and say, okay, this is a legit tournament. These teams still have a, a lot of games to get through here uh, against the other best of the best. And ultimately, what I've said with every sport through this whole coronavirus mess, when you crown a champion, it feels legitimate. If yeah. college basketball can pull that off, then that's all that really matters. And here's what I wish they would have done is just said, to heck with the the non-conference schedule. And I know there are you know key matchups. Like we're going to get Kansas-Gonzaga tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these preseason tournaments and the Hall of Fame classics and tip-offs and everything before you get into the real bulk of the conference schedule we're so used to in college basketball. I wish they just said, you know what, we're not doing that this year. We're not going to worry about playing games that effectively don't matter. They're fun for the fan bases and for the players, don't get me wrong, but effectively don't matter. It's the conference games that matter the most. Let's make sure we can actually get through a conference schedule to determine those, you know, first the the automatic bids to the tournament, right? And then we'll figure out the at-larges based on how Kansas played in the Big 12 because who cares whether or not they played Gonzaga at the end of the day. So I I wish that was really the focus. And it is what you're mostly getting from the mid-major conferences, but not the big ones who are still in the mode of money games, and let's still try to capitalize as much on this season as possible. I'd have been down with just a conference <clears throat> schedule. Yeah. And by the way, I have no idea what to look forward to in college basketball. You know, I learned NBA draft night without a tournament last year. I know very little about college basketball. I mean, after the top 10, it was like, who are any of these guys, you know? And and now, who are any of these guys on these teams right now not having seen the tournament last year? It's like, okay, Gonzaga well, how many, good. How many, good, right? Then what? How many people around – did you say Kentucky? Gonzaga. Oh, yeah. I mean, Gonzaga. How many people around the country would have known Obi Toppin's name before last year? Yeah. No, I know. National yeah, player. I know. Right. Sure. And, you know, so at least you a little bit of the season – you know, schools you some on on who the the guys will be in the NBA, but the 2021 draft class is really strong. So yeah. if we get enough of a college basketball season, there are going to be a lot of names that you hear over and over and over again who will be top ten picks. Good uh, next year, no doubt about that. Yeah. All right. So college hoop season. Do you think we have a tournament in March or April or May, whenever the heck it is? Do you think we actually get an NCAA tournament this time around? Yes. Yeah, I do too. And I think they'll bubble it. I think they'll be smart, and I think they will find a way to bubble it. Now, I'm not talking about maybe just one centralized location, but they will find two, three, four bubbles before you get to, let's say, the Elite Eight Final Four rounds. Yeah, and look, we could have a vaccine in January or February that could change a lot of things too. True. But even then, um, you're right. If it, even if that's the window of time and the tournament ends up being in March, you'd still probably want to have it being in a bubble at that point. So you're right. Just get it there. And then as long as you're smart about it, the other leagues, the end, the pro leagues have proven that that can make sure you finish what you start. 
The first college football playoff rankings were released last night. No surprise, Alabama's number one. Maybe no surprise, Notre Dame's number two. Okay, both teams that have not lost yet. The surprise for me came at three because I really figured the playoff ranking committee would follow the just national rankings that we've seen for the last month or so. And that is Ohio State somewhere in the top three. They were they were two for a little bit. Notre Dame jumped them. They were three. Okay. No Ohio State at three. It's the one-loss Clemson Tigers, and we feel like we haven't seen Trevor Lawrence play in forever because he had the coronavirus, so he doesn't play against Boston College or Notre Dame. Then they get their game against Florida State canceled, postponed, whatever it ends up being, whether they try to make that game up or not. So it feels like it's been a long time since we saw Clemson maybe at full strength, and it has been. But the yeah. Tigers are three, and it's the Buckeyes at 4-0, and number four. And I don't know, my just initial thought was, well, Ohio State hasn't played as many games. The playoff committee is giving Clemson the benefit mm-hmm. of the doubt here. They've, one, played more games – Two played games without the number one overall pick in the NFL draft next spring. And so we still think they're probably better and we'll put them there because they'll have the opportunity to prove it anyway in the ACC championship game against Notre Dame. So let's slot them at three and then we'll give the Buckeyes the four spot because they've got some ground to make up. What was What is your thought on where those are? Because Ohio State still hasn't lost yet. So here's the only problem with that logic. It's like they're then taking into account – the, the Trevor Lawrence situation, right? Yeah, yeah. So if you're taking that into account, why is Notre Dame two? Because if you're gonna if you're gonna say, well, it matters that he's not there, and that's part of the reason why they have their one loss. Who's their one loss to? Notre right. Dame. So why wouldn't they then be two and Notre Dame still be three? That's what that's what I don't love about this whole system. Or bags, why wouldn't they then still be number one? Right, because it's right. Hey, if you're basically throwing out that loss to some degree, don't you throw it out to the specifically to the team that they lost to? You know what I mean? It just, I don't know. I don't love it. I'm glad that there is a playoff system where at least we can have like, it, for instance, these four teams playing each other, and yeah. um, you know, hopefully at that point everybody at full strength, and we can settle this on the field. So to me, it doesn't. One through four doesn't matter now so much as, you know, four through six or seven, yeah. right? Because that's really what we're talking about are those top four. But I've never really understood the way these rankings are calculated. And that's always why I've advocated for even a bigger playoff system in college football, because I want things to really be decided on the field. Yeah, and we'll get into that argument later in the season, because my opinion is that they do get decided on the field. You got a whole regular season to decide a lot of this on the field. Five and six, which you mentioned, two more SEC teams, Texas A&M, number five, and the team that I told you a couple of weeks ago, I think really will make the college football playoff, and that is number six, Florida, right now. Mm-hmm. They, they and Alabama should coast to the SEC championship game, Yep, and I believe the Gators will beat the Crimson Tide and they will get into the college football playoff. Whether or not the committee still puts Bama in with just the one loss in that title game to Florida, yep. don't know. But, I, but I'm but i taking a shot here with Florida's explosive offense 
that they find a way to beat Alabama, get to the SEC championship game. And at number six right now, they're in prime position. Yeah. How many losses for Florida? One. Okay. One. Yeah. That's why for me, and I, yes. So let's say they, let's say they beat Alabama. Yep. Then what happens to Alabama? Are they still in the top four for you? Here's what it'll be. What I mean, they deserve to be in the playoff, even if they lose that game. Yeah, and I'm not saying they shouldn't be. Here's what will be interesting: is if Ohio State wins out, right? Mm -hmm. You get Bama losing to Florida in the SEC championship game. It's Alabama's first and only loss. Yeah. Notre Dame loses to Clemson in the ACC championship game, but it's close. It's by one score. It's a field goal or a touchdown. Then, how do you settle the five teams that I think we'd all argue have a right to be in the playoff? Exactly. That's my point. Now they won the ACC championship game. You're not keeping Ohio State out. You can't keep Florida out. Yeah. So three of the four already in. Would the committee take a one-loss Alabama or a one-loss Notre Dame? That to, that's the most interesting. The conversation around – you know, does Notre Dame get in or an undefeated Cincinnati or Notre Dame or an undefeated BYU? Those are not good because Notre Dame gets in. With you know you settle it? But if it's Bama and Notre Dame, that to me is which of those four go in. That to me is what's interesting. That's an eight. That's hard to see. That's eight, eight fingers, eight teams. That's how you settle it. Just go to six. You don't have to jump to eight. Go to six. No, because then you're in the buys. I want to see eight. One plays the eight. You seed them like you would any other seeding. One through eight. We expand the playoffs. We get rid of these, some of these, you know, like tidy whities bowl game. Like, we don't need all these ridiculous bowl games. We expand the playoffs for the teams that matter, and we go from there. I agree. We don't need all these bowl games. But I'm also against a major expansion of the college football playoffs. Major? Eight teams. You're doubling it. You're doubling it. That's major. Okay, but if you're talking about, look, nobody at 9 or 10 who has a gripe about getting in is really going to be a legitimate title contender. They might have a gripe. Why is the team at 7 or 8 a legitimate title contender? Well, maybe they're not. But the point is that at the very least, you get 5 and 6 those teams who you're talking about right now, they all get in and they all get to play. All right, who's won the NBA offseason so far? I, I think it's an easy pick. Okay. And I, I do too, but I don't think we have the same answer. Okay. I like that. And our bank on it for the week from Capcom Federal Credit Union coming up right after this on Honorado and Bagnardi. So... What does Capcom have that your bank doesn't? You'll love our lower fees and great rates and a team of financial experts who put you first. What's not to love? We even make it easy to switch. Visit us and open your account today. And find out what it's like to bank where you matter most.
right, Bags, before we jump into the NBA offseason and our bank on it here, uh, our yeah. guy Jeff Casey, happy belated birthday, by the way, to the case man. Uh, he, he thinks the NCAA needs to think about bubbling like the NHL did, right? Hub cities. You saw Major League Baseball do the same thing. You had hub cities for the playoffs as well, and I think that would be smart too. What? Listen, I, I, and here's what I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear the garbage that, well, these kids have to go to class. They've got worked the NCAA and, and many academic institutions across the country play the BS game when it's convenient for them to call them student athletes or to pretend like we're holding you know the, the division one ultras to this standard of well they're also they also have to be student yes I get that but don't talk out of both sides of your mouth here and pretend like one, we need to get an NCAA tournament done, right, at any cost because of the money generated and because of the money lost last year. But two, well, we also have to be worried about their academic standards. I don't want to hear it. The NCAA is only concerned with making some money this year, money that was lost last year and getting an NCAA tournament performed. So do the hub cities, take the kids off campus for however many weeks, and let's do the thing. Let's not pretend like that isn't the sole focus here because it is. Well, look, and I think what we've learned more than anything through coronavirus here is that you can do an awful lot of things virtually. Correct. And they don't need to be on campus to still do their work. So I think you can have it both ways. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fine. Um, who's won the NBA offseason so far? Oh, I think it's an easy. Yes. Why did you think we wouldn't have the same answer? Oh, okay. I just – I thought you were on somebody else. That's all. Yeah. No. This is – this is obvious to me because they were the best team last year and they just got a whole lot better, right? Marcus Saul, he's still got a lot left in the tank, right? Schroeder's an upgrade for me over Rondo. Yep. Um, so th- this is something where you take the pieces that they've already had and the biggest question mark around them was depth, Right. Could would they have enough? Yeah, they have the two two of the top five players in the NBA in their starting lineup. Would they have enough all round to survive a forty eight minute game against a team with more depth? Well, they were able to, um, but now they've filled some of those holes and strengthened some of their only weaknesses. They are going to be extremely tough to take out now, and I'm worried. I'm worried with how good they are. Here's my biggest concern with the Lakers. I don't know that they've gotten deeper. I think they've added more talent in certain spots. The Lakers, for me, won the offseason. Uh, you know, the, the Schroeder move, I, I got it. But the Lakers won the offseason for me when they signed Montrez Harrell. When they signed Harrell, I thought, that's it. This guy is going to make a real difference for this team. But what LA has sacrificed here in adding Gasol and Harrell and Schroeder is just a knockdown three-point shooter. Now they have KCP back, but Danny Green is gone. Who who Danny Green missed a lot of shots in the playoffs. He did. But who are you surrounding? Who stretches the floor for them? Who spreads things out for them? Who are you surrounding LeBron with? I know Davis can knock down threes, and Gasol has even expanded his game to make the three-point shot as well. But in terms of a guy who can just absolutely make threes for you, who is that guy? I think they're going to be okay. I they've got t- enough. They've got they they will have enough wide open looks for guys 
where they will make enough three-pointers. You know, whereas other teams might not be as open in their looks, but they have the better shooters, so they knock them down anyway. They're going to have guys who are just more open because of all the talent on this team. And KCP made a bunch of shots in the playoffs and the finals, you know, shots that you didn't necessarily expect him to make. Okay, so if the Lakers have won the offseason, are they the best team in the NBA? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. How could they not be? They, if you're going to say they won the championship last year and now they've won the offseason, how could they not be? There's too much unproven from a team like Brooklyn. Um, you know, they haven't even taken the court yet with, yep. with Durant and Irving. We, we don't know how this is going to exactly work with them. We assume it'll be pretty good, but yeah, too many unknowns. Would and you the other teams are too many knowns, frankly. The, the only one would be the Clippers, where we have now some unknowns because of of what they've added and they're now a little bit different they're the only one who you could say well i'd like to see what they have yeah but milwaukee we've seen it you know um the warriors now without clay you you can't take them so yes the lakers to me are head over heels the best team in this league all right well then this will interest you because vegas has the bucks in terms of their win-loss totals their milwaukee's number is one better than the lakers 49 wins for Milwaukee, 48 for the Lakers. And that's okay. I'm okay with that because the NBA regular season, we oftentimes will see a a team, you know, like a Milwaukee, for instance, win a ton of games and wind up the number one seed. And then we all sit there before the playoffs and go, yeah, but are they going to win the Eastern Conference now in the playoffs? You know, so – Regular season win accumulation. I'm okay with Vegas having that being a little bit different than how it would power rank the teams, let's say. So, yeah, that doesn't bother me. Okay. Um, Lakers are next. Clippers, Celtics, your Nets Hmm. round out the top five. All of them 45 wins or more. And, again, this is a 72-game season we're talking about. Right. Okay. I'm okay with those picks. I'm okay with the Nets finally getting some – some recognition here, but like I said, an awful lot unproven with that team. And the thing that I worry about with Brooklyn more than anything right now, I'm very happy they re-signed Joe Harris, which means it looks like the James Harden thing is probably not going to happen. Um, so I'm okay with that. The only thing I worry about with them is Kyrie Irving. He's a head case. And if, if things don't go well early, how do all the egos in the room mesh how do we answer the question of who's the leader of this team? Because Kevin Durant is not the LeBron James type, right? We've seen him be a guy who, who you know, he butted heads, we felt like, with Russell Westbrook over, over what kind of leadership we were going to have there. Um, the same thing, like, then he took a backseat and didn't want to really be the leader, didn't have to be, even though he wound up being the best player on the floor with Golden State. He didn't really have to be that guy. So I wonder about him and Kyrie Irving and now with Steve Nash there and Mike D'Antoni. I've said this, who's kind of leading and coaching this team. So if things don't go well early, those sort of unanswered questions can now become a a problem for the team. And you wonder how the egos then figure that out. And it might not happen. They might come out of the gate and be strong because they've got the talent, but makes you wonder when this team faces some adversity, how are they going to be? Yeah, whose voice is everyone listening to? Are they listening to Nash? 
Or is Nash just there as a placeholder because somebody has to be the head coach? And is it going to be Durant's voice in the that I'm with you. It, when when the ship hits some rough waters, which it will at some point, we don't know. Maybe it maybe it isn't until the playoffs. But who will everyone listen to when that in fact happens? Uh, all right, our weekly segment here on Honorado and Bagnardi is Bank on It, presented by Capcom. And Bags, mine is NFL-related. Yours is baseball I'm going to hand it to you, though, here for your baseball-related bank on it. All right, here we go. Bank on it, presented by Capcom. This week, Chris, I am going baseball, as you said, with my New York Mets. New ownership. Yeah. Breathing in a fresh air breath. Uh, yeah. Um, here's my bank on it. Luis Rojas will not be the manager of the New York Mets come season's end. We have now seen, uh, an investment in him, so to speak, you know, the, the new ownership came in and cleaned house a little bit, but, uh, but they've said, no, we're going to stick with Rojas here as the manager. Uh, I don't think it's the right move. I don't think he's the guy who is, going to take this team to the promised land because it's the Mets. I think they'll face some adversity uh, and I think they'll face it early in the season. And I think he'll be sort of the scapegoat for that. You know, the new ownership will look at it as, well, we took care of some things in the front office, but now we've got to really take care of the issues um, in the dugout. I won't even say on the field because I think they'll go out and bring in some, some more talent to this team. But at the end of the day, when it doesn't go well and they start losing, which they will because they're the Mets, uh, Rojas will be the first chip to fall, and um, and they'll look to rebuild it from the dugout out at that point. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. Um, whether or not Steve Cohen wants to make that call as the new owner or Sandy Alderson, who's now back in charge of baseball operations, uh, we see this time and time again that – Ownership management will look at it and say, it wasn't our guy. He wasn't our choice. We're okay with him for now. And maybe it works out. But if it doesn't, that'll be that'll be the narrative. He wasn't our guy. Yep. So we will find someone who is our guy. All right. My bank on it bags presented by Capcom Federal Credit Union, 11 branches around the Capital Region. For the first time in NFL history, we will get an undefeated and a winless team. In the same season. Obviously, that means Pittsburgh doesn't lose and the Jets don't win. Now, here's here's the way it lines up. Let's start with Pittsburgh because they play Thanksgiving night against Baltimore. Not an easy game, but the Ravens are, are missing key guys through practice this week. Whether or not they play Thursday, we'll see. But the running game could be really, really hampered by coronavirus for the Ravens. So if Pittsburgh gets by Baltimore bags... They play Washington. They play at Buffalo. Tough one. They play at Cincinnati. Home against the Colts at Cleveland. Now, there are three in there, even if they get by Baltimore, there are three in there that I could see Pittsburgh losing. Yeah. Buffalo, Indianapolis, Cleveland. But what Pittsburgh does. Baltimore. Well, yeah, I said if they get by Baltimore. I know, but yeah. But yes, what Pittsburgh does They just make life hard on teams. So I'm going to look at these games and say, 
Well, look, Buffalo's playing really well. The offense isn't bad. Look at what Phillip Rivers is doing lately. How about Cleveland? What Pittsburgh will do in those games bags, they will turn those teams over. So we're looking at it on paper and saying, hey, those are good football teams. Not against this Pittsburgh defense. They'll play ugly. They'll win ugly. I think they I think they find a way here to go 16-0 now that they're 10 deep. Go now, ahead. before you go switch to the Jets, I'll just yeah. add to this. Yeah, you're looking at these games and you say, well, this could be a loss. But those other teams, like Cleveland, as they're going through the rest of their schedule, Buffalo, as they're going through the rest of their schedule, Indianapolis, they're going, okay, we can win this one. This, well, Pittsburgh probably a loss. Win this one. This, right? So, yeah. yeah, look at it that way, too from the perspective of the other teams, um, and you would obviously have Pittsburgh being the favorite in all of these games. So go ahead, get to the other side of it now. Now, we've only had two winless seasons in NFL history on a 16-game on a schedule. The 08 Lions, the 2017 Browns. Here come the Jets. Oh, boy. And the Jets have been close. The Jets have played three of the last four weeks, Bags. They've played one possession games. So they're not getting blown out of games. Things got things were ugly against the Chargers for but but they made it a one possession game, only lost by six late in that one. Now they're not going to beat Miami, right? No, probably not. Okay. They're not going to beat Vegas. No. They're not going to Seattle and winning, and they're not going to Los Angeles and beating the Rams. Right. They're probably not going to beat Cleveland. Probably not. Here's where it would just be absolute, beautiful. I don't know if it's poetic justice or what. The Jets avoid a winless season by winning week 17 at New England. New England. Yep. <sighs> okay. But those, those are the six games remaining for the Jets. I don't see one on here where I say, yes, give me right. the Jets there. The Jets don't even know what they're doing at quarterback, whether or not they want to play Darnold again this year. Well, naturally, you can't look at one game and go, yes, they're because they're the worst team in football. Um, if you had to say you're going to be wrong on one of these, which I know you're not saying that or you wouldn't have made it your bank on, which do you think you'd give in on? You would say that Pittsburgh would actually lose a game or that the Jets would find a way to win one? Pittsburgh would lose a game. Yeah. Pittsburgh wow. would lose a game. But here's here's what I think will drive Pittsburgh. Because for the people out there who will say, well, Tomlin may not prioritize an undefeated season. They might get to 15-0 and and then go into the Cleveland game. They've already got the division locked up. They may not play everybody. No. Kansas City isn't losing the rest of the way either. And they only have one loss. So if the playoff format stays the same, and we're talking seven teams instead of eight, right. and the top overall seed gets a bye – you can be sure Tomlin and Rothless, but they want that one bye week. Absolutely. They're going to push this thing to the very end because I think Kansas City will push them there. 100%. Yep, but, I agree. But the schedule is more difficult for Pittsburgh than it is easier for the Jets. Yep. Yeah, you're right. And you're right. The Jets don't know what they're doing at quarterback. My thing is, what is the reason to play Darnold? Right? If If – He's not the guy of the future. Don't play him. And Jeff Casey's saying the same thing here. Uh, they shouldn't play Darnold if they want to trade him. And I don't think they should play him if they're not going to trade him because if, if he's the guy of the future, 
then why would you have him playing right now? You would say, no, shut him down. We this is our this is our young quarterback investment here. We got to have him good to go. We're not going to risk him getting hurt again in a season that's totally lost. So there is no good reason to have him on the field right now. Here's the here's the reason people are speculating as to why Jets management hasn't made a final call because they don't know. They they feel like they want and and I'm not siding with them. I think it's stupid. The idea that we need to see Darnold more in order to to evaluate him properly. If you haven't seen enough at this point and you can't decide this is Darnold's fault or this is Gase's fault, right. then I don't know what to tell you. Then you're just you're just bad football evaluators. The only I'm, argument I would make maybe to playing him would be you're definitely going to trade him. And now you you feel like he needs to prove something else to another team who might be sitting there going, yeah, you don't know if he's your guy. We don't know if he's our guy either. Yeah, but right? isn't there too much risk there? Because it could be a complete that's, that's disaster. Why I said, yes, that's why I said there's no good reason for him to play. But that would be the only reason that I would even conceive why they might want to do it. Texans or Lions tomorrow? You know what? Give me the Lions. Washington or Dallas? Give me Washington. I think so too. Although Andy Dalton being healthy now, I wonder the the team looked good enough against Minnesota in that win. That one's that one's interesting. Um, and then the nightcap, Baltimore Pittsburgh. Give me Baltimore. Oh, the hell with your bank on it. Get out of here. Come on. All right, our guy Brian Perry wishes us a uh, a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we wish you all happy Thanksgiving as well. Thanks for watching Honorado and Bagnardi here. Bags, enjoy the uh, holiday without friends or family. Yep. And we'll be back next week, everyone. Thanks for watching.